0: Welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, this gorgeous hunk of a man, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. Today, we're going to be talking about the value of having a skills assessment in place, knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses, and honestly, just being honest with yourself. You see what I did there? Honestly being honest. But having a realistic picture of where you're at and not overestimating where you're at as an athlete. Because a lot of the times, at least myself, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that I'm fairly confident and I tend to overshoot what I believe. And a lot of athletes do the same. When I was a wrestler, I felt like I was number one in the world. Guess what? I, I wasn't. And you have to have that realistic assessment of where you're at in order to progress. If you don't have that realistic assessment, guess what? We can't ever progress past that because you have to get in touch with what's going on.
1: Yeah. I think that realistic picture too only comes when you communicate with your skill coaches, you communicate with the people that are in your corner. Like, yes, there's a a value to self-awareness and self-assessment that I think has to be learned and honed for a long time. But a lot of the times you get... That's like what a coach is for, right? You get the biggest insights from them into your skills, your strengths, your weaknesses, um, and that helps you give an honest picture back to yourself, so that you can orient your training in the most effective manner, right? Because mm-hmm. on the same side, as people overestimate their ability, people also underestimate their ability, and then we see this seesaw effect where you know maybe you come into the, your your uh, training as a striker, and then all right, I'm really good at striking. I don't have to train striking at all. Let me do all grappling. And then all of a sudden your striking becomes average. Your wrestling and grappling does come up a little bit, but that's also average. And now you're just average, right? So you're you're disproportionately spending your time. Whereas if you have a realistic um, understanding of your skills, yes, my striking is pretty good, but maybe it, it's not so good that I don't need to work on it at all. I still mm-hmm. should work on my striking while I Uh, cover my ass with the lagging grappling and then we work on both those things and then both meters tick up a notch versus evening themselves out right so that honest reflection and that guidance by your skill coach and by your coaches. I think is is the most valuable thing that we can offer in that sense. So having the realistic picture and then creating a game plan, again, that's the coach's job is navigating and, and directing, um, giving the athlete the roadmap, but not saying this is the definitive way.
0: Well, and my Mario Kart analogy still applies to skill coaching side, right? Is we want to be able to elevate the floors when we're out of camp. We want to be able to rise or raise the ceilings when we're in camp and focus on those skills that you're good at guess what? If we don't have an objective measure on what you're good at, how the fuck do we know what to focus on out of camp? And how the fuck do we know what to focus on? in? Because if we don't know where you're at, and it doesn't have to be numbers, right? But you have to have some sort of process, you have to have some sort of written down, reproducible uh, testing that you can show that, hey, you're either improving, or you're decreasing and it's different for everybody. I know the PI has their skills assessment that they put out in a, uh, in their most recent issue of the PI handbook. Um, We are also coming up with a skills assessment for building a fighter. That'll be in our courses. Um, But you can also make your own. Each coaching staff can make their own. As long as you know, what is good, what is average, what is bad. And then from there, we can focus on different skills that you find valuable for your fighters because each team is different. If my, if I'm a fighter that's going to team alpha male, they probably are going to be a little bit more heavy grappling, right? That's their emphasis for the most part. So they're going to really, really focus on trying to fine tune your wrestling and their assessment should be very wrestling based in nature. If I'm going to, let's say like a black house where uh, Jason parks at, who's a uh, fucking amazing or CSA, even a Bredder example, um, where I think Killian's his name, the uh, striking coach out there, he works with uh, Gaston Bolanos. Milano's. He's a Muay Thai specialist. So his striking assessment is going to be very detailed, very detail oriented and focusing on, Hey, if you're missing up this footwork, that's minus three on my assessment sheet, whatever it may be. And again, it doesn't need to be numbers. It can be meets exceeds or uh, beneath expectation, but you should be able to have a metric and you should be able to look at somebody training and be able to say they fall into different categories And then through working with them, they can rise in those set categories that you create or that you find valuable as a coach.
1: Yeah, I think absolutely. I think the best coaches do this. And the problem almost with coaching and using other mentors as your example is the best coaches have this system and this grade scale in their head so down pat that they can just do it mentally, right? That they have what they're looking for. They know exactly what to see and what to assess in their head, they've had their system for however many years, and then that's what makes them a really good coach is they have that system in its place. But what makes it not a good example is that they're doing it mentally and kind of off the cuff because mm-hmm. you, you raised a really good point with the objectivity and the, uh, the specific categories, whether they're qualitative or quantitative with numbers or, or, or phrases. But I see it too many times where a lot of coaches are just making observations. You know, yep. we just, we see this one off time and it's like, all of a sudden, oh yeah, he, he can't strike. He, he needs to work on a striking or, or you missed that guillotine. Let's start practicing guillotines. Maybe that's the one guillotine that they missed out of 99. Right. So it's, uh, it's gotta be a systematic approach to where you're, you're creating this evaluation again, and I'm not a skills coach, so I don't know the specific things to work on or to look at yet, but I, not a yeah. skills coach yet. <laughs> right. We're working on that actively. Um, but I know how I would do it for strength and conditioning. I know those systems down pat. I have my my grade scale. I have my exercise testing, um, which, again, is those objective measures. And I think mm-hmm. one good thing that I see going on at the place that I'm at is we have live sparring every Friday, right? And it's not just sparring in a sense of you're going to get with somebody and go hard. It's sparring inside the octagon. We keep track of who wins, who loses, and we create – Almost our objective feedback from that competition. A competition is a skill test in the ultimate um, meaning, right? Mm-hmm. So you yep. get to see how this person compares to the other person. Have they improved on this skill set, that skill set? We can match up if we have enough numbers on the team. We can see, all right, I want him to go against this to see if he's actually worked on his pacing. I want to see him go against this striker to see if he's really got a blended approach for his takedowns. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, a Intellectual game at that point where we can see the competition as the test and not again just make observation and off the cuff stuff like that's like you know me as a strength coach, like, he looks powerful enough. Let's uh let's put him in a, a conditioning group because he's not <laughs> you know he may not be in a best conditioner, like he's a cardio monster, um, but he lacks power. So all we're going to do is a lack of power, right? Like those sound good, it sounds like a good idea, and it's easy to gravitate towards that. But like, where's your actual justification? What, like, what can you lean on and actually rely upon to give you that other than doesn't look that motivated? Maybe we should uh, do something else, you know?
0: Right. Well, and, and I'm not, I'm not blind to the fact that it's hard. It's hard to come up with objective measures for skill, right? It really is. Is that, are you using biomechanics as a measure? Are you using footwork as a measure? If you are using footwork, how do you quantify or qualify footwork? What is good footwork? Because I guarantee my wrestling footwork, or like if you saw Dominic Cruz 10 years ago, you're like, what the fuck is he doing? And then now he's running a whole footwork course. He's completely different than other people. How do we qualify and quantify what is good and what is bad? But I think that comes down to your coaching style. And I think that comes down to how do you view fights? Because typically people that come to you gravitate to you for a reason. They think you have some sort of purpose. They think you are a individual and an intellectual in that specific area. Right. So Eddie Cha, our striking coach, is probably going to have a different striking style or a different striking assessment than Mark Montoya, the Factory X striking coach. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. Because they have two different
0: striking styles. But what is important to Eddie could technically blend with what's important to Mark, but they might be seeing it through a different lens. And that's okay. There's not going to be one global system. And if there is that, that would be awesome. But for the most part, in sport, there's so many different, especially MMA, there's so many different things that can go right versus go wrong. Think about you got your little muscle hamster, like a Kyle Crutchmer wrestler type fighter or Sean O'Malley, two completely different fighters, very good at what they do, but very different styles neither one's good or bad. It depends on the coach that's in front of them, the coach that's working with them and how they quantify and qualify what they think that fighter needs to work on and what movement that fighter needs to work.
1: For. Well, yeah. And, and that goes, in. Like, what is your coaching ethos, right? What, what is mm-hmm. what you put your stamp on as I'm a coach and I'm great because of this? Like you, you need all the prerequisite tools, but this is the thing that, that I identify with that my system is definitely going to hammer and get you better at. Right. So that's, and I can see where that gets hairy with like the artistic approach and style that you bring up. Right. Cause it's mixed martial arts. There's an art of training. There's all all these um, abstract terms that we throw around, but regardless of the abstractness and the, the arts approach, you still need to be able to qualify and quantify it.
0: Right. And remember, like you gotta be a cook before you're a chef, right? Yeah guess what? You still need to be able to follow the basic recipe before you can freestyle. Mm-hmm. So all the cool shit is the basic recipe. If we really break it down, the basic recipe mm-hmm. is what our actual skill assessment is. Can they do the basics well? Yeah.
1: And, and for me, I think of a simple um, ana- or acronym. Is that where all the words, the SWOT analysis? Is that an acronym? Yeah. No? Yeah. Um, S-W-O-T. Yeah, but that's what I think of. And it's used a lot in the business realm, but it's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you go through those things for yourself as a fighter and you have a realistic expectation or realistic understanding of your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, then you can probably formulate a good game, you know, Mm -hmm. skill based. Like, all right, let's say my strength is striking, some of my weaknesses are grappling, I don't know how to enter into a takedown. because I've done jujitsu, but I haven't done any wrestling that's presents itself in an opportunity blended takedowns approach, right? I can use my strength from striking to blend into a takedown. That's my opportunity. My threat is a really good wrestler that, uh, closes distance well and stays in the pocket. Right. Mm-hmm. So like address the threat first, because that's where you're going to get knocked out or taken down or submitted or whatever. But then, spend equal time on the opportunities, right? So that simple, basic uh, business analogy with the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats can be a starting block can be the Mm -hmm. the first place that you go for a skills-based assessment or it can be you know even for a a strength conditioning approach you know there's a little more numbers and it's a little exercise science heavy but we can use that to say you know some of the strengths are our cardio weaknesses is our strength so we don't have a lot of structural integrity we're more prone to some injuries out of that presents an opportunity strength training is easy like sorry any strength coaches think think you have secret sauce like getting stronger is simple like yeah, Um threats are obviously injuries, right? If, if I have no muscle mass surrounding a joint or I have no ability to stabilize that joint, it's a higher likelihood for injury. So that's a threat. Mm-hmm. Like, let's eliminate that threat. So um, that simple acronym, I think, where fits um, to a T. And I'm sure, again coaches that have had their systems in for a long time have a a more evolved method of that.
0: Right. Well, and then I think about, and this is part of, this is part of what we'll get into with the course, with the building a fighter screen, but here's a little intro um, is when I think about a skills-based analysis, there's a couple different key, very, very key broad ideas, right? You need to have a biomechanical analysis. Can that athlete get into the positions that are required for that piece of the sport, right? Jiu-jitsu, Can they get into guard effectively? Wrestling, are they able to or guard or top game, whatever it may be, all of the positions that you deem important as a fighter or a fighting coach? Boom, wrestling. Can they get into a shot effectively, efficiently, and be able to have their head up, be able to have their hips in, be able to get into hip extension and from a staggered stance or a B stance? Are they able to do these X, Y, and Z? Then we get into... well, I go. think
1: quickly before uh, we move on from that, I think, I think it would, might be more effective to strip that down and take out the the biomechanical analysis. It's like, can you achieve good positions? Right. Right. And, and like, again, I, I get the biomechanical lens, but I think that, that um, creates some separation, right? Because biomechanics, right. as soon as like somebody that's not familiar with biomechanics, hears that term, they're going to be like, I don't know biomechanics. I'm not a, a strength coach, right? Or I'm not an exercise scientist. So it's like, it's simple. Can you achieve good position?
0: Right. Yeah, can, can they get fit into good positions for that sport?
1: Yeah, right. absolutely.
0: The next one's going to be volume. They should be able to, what kind of volume, what kind of output can they create, right? Yeah. So it's going to be, if you want to have them take, I don't know, a, a general example would be for volume for wrestling. You put a dummy in front of them, have them take as many shots as they can in five minutes in a good form, right? Boom, that's a output test. That's a volume test that can track so fucking- how many
1: torture test
0: <laughs> exactly right but you got to have a metric somewhere right you get, you have like it's one of those things like we talked about like 10 podcasts ago where we're like hey like words weren't a thing until you made it a thing well guess what Te- a test isn't a thing until you make it a thing you have okay. to have some sort of baseline well that can be a baseline okay. or a uh, punching like output punches how many pun- times did somebody punch a punching bag or how many times can somebody go at a heavy bag with just their hands in two minutes boom that's your output test right? And then you also have a power test. So how powerful you can put a accelerometer on something, you can put a velocity-based training device on something, you can have a have them punch one of those uh, uh, the things that the PI has, the big old block that
1: Logan oh, no. always talks about. Yeah, the nonsense.
0: I don't fucking know. Power but measure thing. To, yeah, to, some,
1: to for, okay. yeah,
0: something that is reproducible and you can track power output. That's... A, easy way to have a power metric for a skill-based assessment.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I I think another term that we've used for this uh, quite extensively is at work capacity, right? Yeah. Uh, Can you achieve uh, can you continue to work effectively under fatigue. That's your work capacity. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people have tons of um, absolute capacity. So I think again, MMA training is grueling. You learn to grind, you, you push yourself through it. A lot of people have a lot of absolute capacity. Like you could, you can sit there and continuously shoot on a dummy for five minutes. You can do that. It's going to take like a Khabib or, or Islam or somebody phenomenal at wrestling, to do the same takedown every five minutes, or to do a, a well positioned yep. takedown every five minutes. So um, it's working on the functional capacity, the, the 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 good work, the better work that you can accomplish, mm-hmm. not just work period.
0: Right. And well, and that comes down to the coach, right? You you yeah. stop when they break form, right? And that's luck, I guess yeah. break break form twice in a row. I wouldn't do it after one anomaly, but once you see see a pattern of of form breaking, boom, you're done. There's your metric, right? Yeah. But it's pu- having it's, I just came up literally, those aren't the building of fighter screens. I'm just giving examples. Those are three very usable examples that you can put into place tomorrow. Yeah. And There's something that you can track and see, are you getting
1: better or worse? Absolutely. And then that, that doubles down on the intention of the training too, right? It's not our intention with the training. And when we drill, yes, we want a high pace when we drill, but we don't just want a high pace for a high pace sake, right? We want a high pace right. because it's more similar to our game day or, or uh, fight day but we need to have intention and do this with purpose because you know it's the that old cliche it's like practice doesn't make perfect perfect practice makes perfect right you mm-hmm. need to be able to hit these things achieving the same positions hitting the right um outcomes and angles and doing them well rather than just doing them you know like how many hours do you waste just on shitty training you know it needs to be intentional
0: i can um, promise you a lot of mma fighters the answer is a lot yeah uh, <laughs>
1: Ton, you know, in my wrestling, <laughs> in our wrestling career, it's just like, you know, here's this drill. Continue to do this for ten minutes or whatever. And it's like, you know, after thirty seconds, it turns into just slop. Let's just go through the yep. motion so that coach thinks we're drilling, right? Um, again, it's how can you, and that's a challenge as a coach too to go on a little different tangent. Like, how how well can you keep your athletes engaged in executing correctly and doing mm-hmm. genuine uh, progressive skills? versus just drilling, right? Because there is a place for the repetitive drilling, but not a place for the autopilot, boring, non-effective drilling.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and then to go one step further on all of this, right? So we, if, if we have an assessment, we also have to think about how can I, what are the steps that I can take to make that person better at the things that I'm assessing, right? So you Mm -hmm. actually have to have conscious thought on how do I progress them from point A to point B? This is where I always talk about having flowcharts, or having, having a handbook or having a actual set in place written down or talked out, whatever it may protocol of, Hey, this person has output issues in cage wrestling. How do I fix that effectively and efficiently? That's going to come from a combination between the strength coach and the skill coach. Or, hey, this person isn't able to, they're really, really bad when their back's against the cage. It's not an output issue, it's a technique issue. All right, so what is my flow chart for fighting the hands, fishing back and forth? I call I call it swishing your hips or uh, fishtailing back and forth on the cage, being able to create separation, being able to then go after, isolate the wrist, push that wrist away, get that elbow through and boom, they're out. That's my flow chart. That's my first step through to get off the cage. If they can't do that, What's their plan B? What's their plan B flow chart down? And effectively going through that over and over and over again and finding not just what your flow chart is, but finding what that athlete's flow chart is, is the best way to make that athlete better at the skill that you just assessed, right? So if you don't have a plan after you assess, well, that's, that's just a waste of an assessment. Now you're just wasting time and all yeah, yeah. the people that hate assessments are right. It's useless then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and then- in, in essence, we're just not coaching, right? If you don't have mm-hmm. that plan, like you don't have a plan or a set progression in place, you're not coaching. Um, two kind of anecdotes going off that. One thing I really want to highlight is that um, you uh, went through a good progression A to get off the cage, fishtail, underhook, wrist controls, right? Those are your steps in planning. Fuck your underhook. I said wrist control, bitch. I like, <laughs> I like underhooks to get off the cage. Um, Guess what I gravitate towards? But <laughs> you have that set progression. That's your A. Uh, flow chart, right? That's your A direction. You go through this, right? The I think a lot of the problem is we take that A flow chart, like this is one option, hit this fast and we go through it. Here's your B option. This is what you can do to, you know, sprawl or, or do something else. Like that's your other option. We don't finesse enough and give enough detail on the A option and the B option. They're completely different tracks and we need to flesh out both of them. You know, if we we take the A route, but we miss risk control, A route's not a route anymore. Right, right, exactly. And so, so right. So, a, a quick story off of that. We were just in jujitsu practice on Tuesday, and uh, we were going over a Z guard pass to head and arm or whatever. But I was drilling my partner. We said, "Hey, professor, we have a question on this." And our question was on the choke. Right. Our question was, "Are you cinching down here um, with the elbow to get the choke? Are you pressuring in with your shoulder?" Right. We showed the technique. He stopped us within the very first action of passing the legs. He says, you're not passing the legs, right? We need to do this to pass the legs. And and then we pass the legs. All right. And he's like, oh, you're not stapling this right. You need to do this better. And then he walked away. Right. So we're like, we didn't get our answer, our question answered, but it's because we didn't have the rest of the, the flow chart fleshed out. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that that was a, a an absolute, I think, savage and really good coaching moment that if you're not going to do, everything with the intention and the detail, then how do you expect to get the end game? Cause everybody loves the chokes. Everybody loves the knockouts, right? Yeah. But if, if you don't have the setups in place and you're not doing everything else technically proficiently and with a fleshed out game plan, then you're not going to get there and it's not worth the practice.
0: Welcome to the struggle of being a skill coach, my man. That's,
1: that's... <laughs> no, I, again, have that set progression and, and then stick to it. Same with, you know, I think about it with strength conditioning, you know, like, we want output, yes. We need somebody to get increased strength, and we want numbers on the chat bar to go up. But, like, at one point, are you willing to sacrifice movement for that? We can't say.
0: Was that our boy, Scotty, that pulled it over? And
1: no, it was, a, it? it was a different coach. It was a guest jujitsu guy um, from Ohana Jiu-Jitsu in San Antonio. His name was Jason. Um, really good coach. Please, really good. Please
0: coach. tell me he has a Hawaiian last name if it's Ohana Jiu-Jitsu.
1: No, he doesn't. I don't no? think, think he's a white boy. All right. <laughs> Those but Those
0: damn Hollies.
1: But no, it, was a, it was a really good session and a really good, again, bit of coaching to make sure that whole pathway is fleshed out. And we have a plan to progress, not just can you achieve the end?
0: Right. And one, and well, that's a good point, right? Is like, we just had a little back and forth about wrist control versus underhook. Realistically, my plan B is an underhook, right? That's part of my second plan, but I need to be able to go through a, and have a first line of defense first. Yeah, We always talk about, like we just said it earlier. Well, I just said it earlier. You got to be a cook before you're a chef, right? I got to be able to understand step-by-step step what's going through, and then I can add in the next step-by-step step of process, and then we can put new steps in.
1: Yeah, again, and it's difficult because my second point there was when we take flowchart A, we take route A, most likely if we haven't been exposed to it, we're not going to be that good at it. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have to think about it and we have to think about doing it. Right. So this is the, how you become a a chef from the cook is the, you know, the conscious competence um, cycle that we talked about before in a podcast. Um, But I think it's worth mentioning again, that we have to work from unconscious incompetence. I don't know what I should do and I don't know how to do it. And we need to work to I know what to do and I don't have to think about doing it because it's already there. We need to work through that on every flowchart, on each individual one, right? Because mm-hmm. so many times we skip those middle steps and we show option A, we show option B, we show option C. And now since I've showed it to the athlete, they should know and be able to execute it every time. Mm-hmm. You know, They're still working to progress that skill into that unconscious competence where I don't have to think about what I'm doing. I'm already doing it. Uh, That doesn't just come overnight. That doesn't come because I showed a a technique that comes because we've drilled intentionally because we put it in situational goes because we've actually practiced it in our live rounds. Like um, you can't, I I think too many times we jump the gun and try and and bypass the the process when we need to slow cook and, and get everything proficient before we try and put everything together or expect our athletes to be able to put everything together.
0: Well, and that's a good point. Bringing it back to assessments is we can use our flow charts as an assessment. Actually, if you think about it, right. Sometimes like in our SNC testing to, to bring everything full circle, if we're doing SNC testing, what's one of our tests, one of, what's one of our uh, building a fighter tests. Well, guess what? It's a trap three rep max trap or dead. Guess what? That's also something that we can throw into the program. That's a use yeah. usable test, right? Same thing with my breathing. Like, or like if I'm doing a breathing assessment, well, I'm going to check your breathing, but guess what? What's the rehab for if you have shitty breathing, breathing more. <laughs> so we can, so we do that. The same thing can, we can, as a skill coach, you can use your different flow charts as an assessment or a skills assessment based off where this athlete's at. If you have a set way, you want somebody to get off the cage, run them through that scenario. Don't stop them in the middle, run them through that scenario 10 times see if they figure out a way, see if they, all you have to say is, Hey, I want you to get off the cage. The the same example we talked about. I want you to get off the cage using risk control, see what they do. See if it aligns with what you're doing. See if it aligns with how you coach. That's not, not everybody should be working with everybody, right? I know for a fact, I'm not a great wrestling coach for the short stocky wrestler. That's not my wheelhouse. I'm not, I think I've hit three double leg takedowns in my entire life, but I think I've shot three double leg takedowns in my entire life. (laughs) it's not me, right? I use it as a setup, but I'm never going to finish it. So I know that I'm not a great coach for that type of wrestler and unless they're trying to get scrambled. But if that athlete that's in front of you, if they're not doing, it, it doesn't have to be textbook, right? It doesn't have to be perfect, but if they're not doing the way that you're looking at and they're doing something completely different, well, you have two options. You can either tell them, Hey, this is what we wanted to do. Or you tell them, well, you're doing something completely different and it's it's good. It's great. It's just I don't know how well I can work with. I don't know how well I can help yeah. you if it's a new athlete. I don't know how well I can help you because I just we're not the same. We're not compatible right now. And you got to be okay saying that because if yeah. you're you have too much of an ego and you keep somebody that could go to a different coach and excel, well then you're just an asshole.
1: Right. Well, uh, again, I, I agree with everything that you're saying, and I think it's important to identify that stage. But it's also important to like, just like you're saying how easily it is to test somebody at that flowchart or to test somebody at their process, like all you have to do is change your cueing, right? Yep. You know, yep. we talk about the language and the art of coaching. Um, I'm sure there's a um, chapter about this in Nick Winkleman's book, but it's like, you know, Maybe the first two or three weeks we're coaching a trap bar deadlift, I'm going to cue the shit out of it. I'm going to give my athlete a, a checklist. I'm going to make sure they have their feet planted, they're breathing right, their shoulders tight, all, all this good, again, technical stuff. And then week two, maybe it's just, all right, go through your checklist. You need to make sure you're doing the technique right. Week four, you know, by the time we're hitting our three rep max test or whatever, or however long it is, I say, all right, trap bar deadlift, go, right? Yep. And then I get to see what was communicated, what was received, what is put into action. And it's simply through queuing, right? We have to be able to teach our athletes, but also let them learn. I think too many of the times, again, it's about the coach and it's about how much can I know that I can profess. It's right. It's about, did the athlete receive your intention? And then exactly like you said, observing their response and not just saying that's not what I would do. That's not how I coach you. You're wrong, but accepting where they're at and seeing like, because, you earlier you mentioned Dominic Cruz like i can't imagine how many coaches said dominic cruz's footwork is wrong yep, right everyone every single one but it's effective so if it's yeah, effective is, yeah, it, it is. is it wrong right so it's like you what you're doing is different i don't know if it's effective i don't know if i can coach you you know you can run with that and then all the power to you and good luck or you know take my two cents as a coach and here's my input Um, here's what I think I can help you with period. Exactly.
0: Like, and, and well, and I want to go back to my point. I'm like, I, I don't, when I say like, Hey, maybe they're not the right spot for you. I don't, I don't mean immediately give up on the app. Like obviously try to make it work and try to work with them. But if they're just not getting what you're selling, if they're not understanding what you're saying and you've tried every cue through the book and it's just not a good skill set match. If what you're doing isn't going to mesh with them to make them better, that's when you're like, hey, I have X, Y, and Z. I can send you over here. How about you go up to Denver and try out Mark Montoya? How about you go down to San Diego and try out uh, uh, Alliance with, uh, I'm blanking on his name, Mark something. Um, But anyways, or you come to Fight Ready, something like that. But it's one of those things that you want to work with the athlete the best you can. But as soon as as it's out of your skill set, you got to just like in healthcare, your referral, your referral, your refer.
1: Yeah. I think the referral is a huge tool, both for skill coaches too. And like, you can use that referral for yourself as well. Talk to that person, you know, peer to peer coach to coach. you like, how do, would you go about this? Can I get better by listening and talking to you? I think that networking piece is huge. And I think a lot of coaches do that already, but that's a huge piece for your own coaching development is the the mm-hmm. networking and, and uh, referral network. Um, I did want to bring up one point and I know Austin, this is uh, a problem that I run into quite a bit where I kind of uh, refute my own point, right? I, I give a point and then I say, but you can also do it like this and that would work too. But blah, blah. I think there is a uh, sometimes a black and white message that needs to get set across, you know, like if I'm doing a technique in jujitsu wrong and then the coach says, but it could work like that. Let me see how I can make it work like that. It's like, I understand what you're doing. And thank you for trying to uh, appease my technique. at it, but, maybe I'm just doing it fucking wrong and I need to learn how to do it better. I learned how For to sure. do it. Right. Yeah. I think there, there's a, there's definitely context like that too. So um, as a coach, being able to identify both of those, right. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. what you're doing is, is a bona fide and, and effective strategy and we should run with that. Or you should go to another coach as I uh, refer you, or there's like, you know what you're doing. It not only is it not what I said, but it's just not going to be effective. Right. Yeah. Cause here's what can beat it. And I know that that's not effective. Like, that is part of your expertise expertise as a coach is to know what gets beat. So that's a, that's another tool that you can use. Another reaction as a coach that you have for sure. Having rigid outline, rigid outline with pliable words. Okay. So Tim was on the podcast and he said it a lot better than you just did. Nope. It's I said, I,
0: I made my own analogy. Rigid principles
1: it. with flexible methods.
0: Yeah. That guy, that, that's what he said. Well, I said different things and I like what I yeah. said.
1: <laughs> <Jesus Christ. laughs> Um, anyway back to assessments i have one last point on it um do it that i have written down having a bona fide assessment with your coaches involved with everybody um giving you realistic feedback and getting a real picture on yourself brings everybody on the same page right Mm -hmm. how much do we stress communication and talking and getting people to know the game plan to know what this fighter is working on know Mm -hmm. their strengths and weaknesses like If you have a realistic assessment with a coach involved and there's a striking coach and a grappling coach and a head coach and strength coach and and this and that, you can't have that realistic evaluation and assessment without everybody offering up to the pot or everybody giving their two cents. And then more than likely when you're talking, there's going to be disagreements, but there also is going to be an understanding of where everybody's coming from. So Mm -hmm. everybody communicates because there's that holistic assessment, right? So the more we can get everybody on the same page and communicating and knowing a specific athlete's game plan is money.
0: hundred percent. Well, and like, think about it. Like I think about it from my lens. I'm a wrestling coach. I still don't know. Fuck all about striking. I try. I learn every day. I go, I try to watch pad sessions and learn footwork and all these different things and learn. I always ask our coaches principles, but I know fuck all about striking. So if we're all on the same page, we have an assessment. Guess what? I could go back to that assessment. I can look at it. and I can be like, oh, um, I'm using a name of a fighter, but it's not true. I just, the first name that I could think of on our team, like, I'm like, oh, look at Bryce's assessment. Huh? Well, he's deficient in striking. He's deficient in footwork for boxing. All right. Well, then I know that we can work on footwork and I know wrestling and boxing closely correlate because of the, the distances you have to be. Boxing distance is very similar to wrestling distance. Well, we can work on wrestling footwork, and it might have some carryover. But if we don't have an assessment in the first place, and I can't see what our boxing coach Alan actually thinks about Bryce's boxing, well, guess what? I don't know that that's something I can work on because maybe his wrestling footwork's great, but maybe we need to do more wrestling footwork and put maybe his boxing footwork in the context of wrestling footwork because he's good at one and not the other, even though they're the same thing.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. The more information that you can create around your athletic development, whether it's mixed martial arts, whether they're physiological outputs, like the more information that you have, the more powerful your choice can be. Now, that doesn't mean you're married to the information. That doesn't mean you're tied to all the data that you get. And we all know those, uh, those type of situations where it's the data says this and the data says that, and then, um, other things in the way, but we need to, the more information we have, the better informed decision we can make. Uh, that's just a, a logical truth, right? So having that information won't be a bad thing. Um, do you always need to rely on it and use it exclusively? No, but gather. And, uh, I mean, we've said it a million times, you know, if you're not assessing, then you're guessing, right? You can work off observations, but you know, how, how long is that going to work or how, what, what, how effective is that approach versus how effective could a different approach be? It's, um, uh, worth investigating in our books.
0: I would 100% agree. So, this was our skills assessment podcast. Please like, share, subscribe. Do all the cool stuff that allows us to become friends with your friends. We just want to talk to more people and just get our voices in their heads. But please if you're on Apple Podcast, please leave us a review that'll boost that SEO, get us in front of more people as well. If you got to get in contact with us, all of our information is in the show notes, uh, our Instagram as well as our email addresses. And then we do have our website up and operational. We have programs for individual wrestlers, wrestling teams, MMA teams, individual fighters, jujitsu wellness, jujitsu one month program, and our out of camp base level, level one program. So if you have any sort of strength conditioning needs or wellness needs, please look at those programs first. That'd be a fantastic place to start before you try to seek out anything else. Um, And then lastly this building a fighter dr austin shane alex
1: friedman we are out